This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. Would you open your Bibles, uh, the book of John? Last week, if you were here, we started talking about shepherding and the shepherd that you didn't even know you needed, the shepherd that was in our lives that maybe we didn't even know was here. And one of the things we talked about was the way that social media, specifically, is a shepherd that is controlling us without even knowing it. That when you wake up in the morning, how many of you this morning woke up and you reached over for, don't raise your hands, uh, reached over for your phone and started scrolling, and you're thinking, this is what an addiction looks like. If you've ever smoked, you're like, what's the first thing you do? You smoke a cigarette. But most of us are waking up and scrolling. But when you're scrolling, the stuff that's coming next on your scroll isn't accidental. It's not like just, it's somebody in a computer somewhere programmed that to tell you what's coming next on your scroll. And the technology itself is amoral, But the people who are coding the software 100% have morals, and they have goals. And if there's anything we've learned in the last few years, that they can not only control what you can see, but what you can't see based upon morality that may or may not match our morality. And why that mattered was we were talking that the Pharisees inside of the day of when Christ was on the earth, they controlled a scroll. And when you control the scroll, you control the narrative. Right? So they walked into the synagogue and it was the Pharisees who had the scroll and they were able to say this is what is true and this is what is not true and you or I, like Charles, you were not allowed to come to the scroll to read because you were not high enough in society as a Pharisee to be able to do this so you had to just trust that whatever they were reading from the scroll was what was true or what was not and so Jesus ran headlong into that that the guys that had the scroll had control, and they were the ones that were saying, hey, this man that you've just healed, this blind man, he's got, uh, he he must be a sinner, and and Jesus must be a a, a demoniac because nobody would heal on the Sabbath day. In other words, it feels very familiar, right? We're literally, we're looking at, right in front of our eyes, the guy that was just healed, right, by some miracle, and they're saying, well, it didn't happen. I believe in modern parlance, they would call that gaslighting, right? They're they're literally, the Pharisees are gaslighting the people going, oh, this is not true. He must be a demon. And so they're controlling the scroll. And in our modern parlance, controlling the scroll, there's many ways that that's happening, but one of them is that in our social media, and I am not here to say to get off of your social media platforms, but I am here to say is don't be naive, that whatever you're seeing in front of you is just some, you know, amoral thing that's coming by your screen. Now, that said, last week, uh, right after the service, I got an email from Luke Thomas, who works in technology. And Luke, I, I spoke a little bit about uh, AI and, and ChatGPT, and one of the things that's happening in that world is that when you're searching for information in ChatGPT, you're trusting that whatever information is going to come back is the information... That's true. But again, somebody is writing a code to say what it can and can't say, and those people have morals, right, that that tell this what to learn. And here's what Luke said. He goes, you know, it's interesting that you use the language of shepherding, because, Darren, when we are working in this, and by the way, for the record, 
I don't think any of our believers, if you feel called, there's one of the greatest mission fields on the planet right now is the tech space in Nashville and around the nations. So, you know, Darren Foster, Luke Fitzgerald, Luke Thomas, Chris Vroman, and the others of you that I know that work in the tech space, as long as God is calling you into there, we want you to stay there. We want you in that world. But here's what Luke said, that when we work with AI, we are using language. There's language created by a couple of Chinese engineers this is what we call it to teach high tech. This is to teach the, the software, to teach the code how to learn. We call it shepherding. That they are literally using the language of shepherding. And these two Chinese engineers, this is a 20 page paper or something like that. I got through about four paragraphs before I realized it's like I'm reading a roast beef. I don't understand <laughs> anything. Like it's just, it just doesn't mean anything to me. But the language and the imagery they're using is of a shepherd pushing sheep. Now, what's interesting to me is that the images in this paper that they wrote, all of them show the shepherd behind the sheep, pushing them forward to where they want it to go. But that's not how shepherds work. Not good shepherds. Good shepherds lead from the front because that's where the danger is. If you're going forward, we need to be there first. And our shepherd, what does it say in Psalm 23? You lead me through the valley of the shadow of death. Right? He, Jesus is leading. He's going first. He's not sending us first, seeing if there's lions out there. He's going first. So even in the way the technologists are using the language, and in fairness, they probably have never you know, been a shepherd before if you've been sitting in a, you know, in a cubicle in Silicon Valley. But the point being, we have a shepherd that goes before us, not behind us. And if you've got your Bibles in John chapter 10, I want to read a few verses of what the good shepherd means for us. I'm going to read in verse 11 to verse 21. I am the good shepherd, Jesus saying. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hands is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. And so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. A few years ago on our, Shannon and I used to own a little hobby farm out on Paytonsville Arno Road. And I don't know if you know this about foxes, uh, but they're serial killers. They don't just get a chicken and eat it. They'll kill 12 of them and eat half of one. And if you've been around Tennessee, especially you West Coasters that have come out here to get land and whatever, just so you know, you're in a battle against nature every day. It's different than California. Every morning you wake up, vines are coming for you. Critters are coming. They all want to kill your stuff. And so anyway, I, uh, we, <laughs> we were having uh, serial killers killing our chickens. And it's like, man, it's kind of a bummer. Um, and so I was out one morning, it was, it was a little earlier than I meant it to be, and it was dark still, and it was cold, and, and I looked out in the field, and I heard a rustling, and I heard a chicken, I'm like, oh, there's a fox, I'm going to go, and I got my gun, I'm getting ready to make his head into a canoe, and I'm, I'm just ready to go, and, and, and I got my little flashlight, and, and I see this pair of eyes that are about this tall. Now, if you've seen foxes, they're this tall. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I immediately know we're in trouble. And of course, now I'm thinking mountain lion, you know, wolf. No, it was an owl. Uh, an owl the size of, a, of, a, of an electric car. Like, it was huge. <laughs> and owls are the devil's birds, man. Those things... <laughs> are not birds. Those are little demons on earth. That thing scared the crap out of me. <laughs> I, didn't even have the, I didn't have the presence to shoot it, which apparently is good because I guess it's illegal. But, and I'm, I may or may not have screamed. <laughs> I may or may not have ran away. <laughs> like I'm like, ah! Because <laughs> let me tell you what it did not do. Nothing, man. It just, it just stared me down. You want a piece of me? Like, I did not want a piece of him, and he got to eat my chicken. But uh, in that case... I'm acting like a hired hand. Just get the chicken. Just don't claw my eyes out, right? Like I'm running away from this thing like crazy. So the hired hand is not who you're looking for to be the shepherd of the chickens or the, or the sheep. Oh, man. <laughs> Let's go to verse uh, 14. I am the good shepherd. He says it again. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep, right? This is not something that I do for my sheep, but I have other sheep that are not of this pen, and I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice. There will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down in authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words again were divided. Many of them said he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a, a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the, the blind? If, if you've ever heard C.S. Lewis as the liar lunatic or Lord logic, it is born right there in, in John chapter 10. That's God's word. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you with humility this morning, with a desire to hear your voice, to hear your word, that it would be a light, that it would be a lamp, that it would speak to us clearly. And Father, this is, this is your church, Jesus you're the pastor of this church. We give you complete control over us this morning. Lord, bless our brothers and sisters at Thompson Station Church. Pastor Tom is this year getting ready to make his last lap before he rides off into what God has next for them. Lord, would you guide that church as they're making that transition? You're doing amazing things there. Lord, would you be with our brothers and sisters at Brentwood Baptist, the same thing. Pastor Mike is getting ready to make his lap. A lot of transitions in our community this year, but we know that you are still on the throne and you are moving in our community and we pray that their churches are blessed and that your spirit is all over this church, every church that lifts up your name. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the question, we're gonna hit three things in the time that we have here. The shepherd that you didn't know you needed. And when we go through this, we're going to look at three things in this text that are going to give us some clarity. One is that we need a shepherd because there's wolves, and we need to see the wolves. We need to know that there's safety in the herd, and we need to know that we got to stay with the shepherd. When, when I say see the wolves, 
He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Hired hand is not the shepherd, does not own the sheep. So he sees the wolf coming and he abandons it. The, the, the reason we need a shepherd is this world is full of wolves. I know we don't have a lot of wolves in our world anymore. We got coyotes. We got armadillos. Parenthetically, if you live in a homeowner's association neighborhood, you are not allowed to shoot the armadillo in your backyard. Just pro tip, if you've just moved into a homeowner's association neighborhood, just hypothetically speaking, of course. Um, Boy, does the private Facebook group light up when they hear a gunshot in your backyard. <laughs> like, was that a gunshot? <laughs> when we very first moved out to College Grove, it was like gunshots were like part of the ambiance. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about, CJ? They're just out there shooting stuff at night, just rednecks, man, shooting up in the air, shooting cans. God only knows what they're shooting, but just don't shoot them in your backyard. So there are wolves, there are things that are going bump in the night. But Jesus was saying wolf very, very specifically. He, 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 everything he said was intentional. Everything. The place he's saying this is in Israel, but it was under Roman control. The Roman government reached far. And that's one thing when you go travel the world, whether it's North Africa, whether it's Israel, it's amazing how far the Romans made it. I mean, we were just in Israel, and it's like, this is thousands of miles from Rome, and the amount of buildings that they built with these giant stones are far out into the reaches of the empire. But a, a wolf is the animal that the Roman pagan religion attributed to the founding of Rome. See, their story was a few hundred years before Jesus walked on the earth was that the god Mars impregnated a woman and he had twins and she uh, abandoned them. And these twins were then found in the woods by a wolf. And this female wolf raised Romulus and Remus. And when they grew older, Romulus killed Remus. And Romulus... Rome, you built the city of Rome. And if you wander around Rome, now kids, cover your eyes. It's a little uncomfortable, a little nature here. This is an image that you see all over Rome, which is a Roman statue of a wolf feeding twin boys. When Jesus said, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves, he's sending them into the Roman Empire wolves. This wasn't an accident. So when he says to them in Matthew 7, beware of false prophets, he speaks of false prophets as wolves, right? Beware of those. They're coming to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Wasn't there a Mylon Lefevre record? Someone over 50, tell me. Was there a Mylon Lefevre record? Jim Weidman got my back. Wolves in sheep clothing, right? They're giddy up. All 14 of us know what that is. <laughs> Persecution from outside of that. I'm sending you out as a, uh, in the midst of wolves, he says in Luke 10. When he's sending the disciples out two by two, he's sending them out in the midst of wolves. So there's different things and different images that God uses in his word to talk about wolves. But one thing that all wolves have in common, one way that you're describing a wolf, whether it's a false prophet, whether it's uh, the persecution from the Romans, there's one thing that they have in common. And if you've got your Bibles, I would love it if you would turn to Ezekiel. Just turn left. 
at John. If you get to like Daniel, you've gone too far. Just, it's not too far into the Old Testament. But in Ezekiel, we actually get a picture of what a wolf actually does. And I'm going to read you this passage, just some context to it. The Israeli people, the Jewish people, have been carried off into captivity into Babylon. Now, Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, didn't conquer the way the Assyrians conquered. The way the Assyrians conquered is they would kick butt, take names, kill, pillage, steal, beat you into submission. The Babylonians, on the other hand, did not defeat that way. They defeated by seducing you. So they brought, like Nebuchadnezzar first brought a couple thousand, then 10,000. He's bringing thousands of Jewish people into, uh, into Babylon. Babylon, 35-story high walls, 100 towers the whole way around, the hanging gardens of Babylon, right? One of the ancient wonders of the world, one of the seven, the hanging gardens of Babylon. So he's bringing them in to seduce them with wealth and with comfort and with safety. So much so that 70 years later, when they were invited to go back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, most of them didn't go. They were too comfortable. They wanted to stay. They were conquering by comfort, not by killing. So Ezekiel is a prophet now in that day. This is a few years into the captivity. I believe it was King Jehoiakim is now the king of Israel, and he's just a token figure that was installed by Nebuchadnezzar. There is still a Jerusalem at this point. But this is what he is writing to, not Babylon, He's writing this to Jerusalem. He's not writing this to King Nebuchadnezzar. He's writing this to Jehoiakim, to the Israelis, to the Jewish people in Babylon and in Jerusalem. So let's start in verse 25. He says, there is a conspiracy. Isn't that a funny word? I'm just saying. I can do this in the 11 service, right? The the nine are a little more serious, so I I can say this with you guys. (laughs) I'm just fooling. The conspiracy of her princes within her, like a roaring lion tearing its prey, they devour people, take treasures and precious things, and make many widows within her. Her priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. They do not distinguish between the holy and the common. They teach there is no difference between the unclean and the clean. I mean, are you starting to, does this, any of this sound familiar? There's no difference between right and wrong. You can be a guy or a girl. I mean, whatever you want to be. There's nothing, there's, everything is the same. Woe to you who call evil good and good evil. Right? The, he's saying there, there's no difference in that, that. This is what they say. Verse 27, her officials within her are like what? Wolves tearing their prey. They shed blood and kill people and make unjust gain. So maybe underline that. We're going to come back to that. Uh, I want to finish this out, though. Her prophets whitewash these deeds for them by false visions and lying divinations. They say this is what the sovereign Lord says. When the Lord has not spoken, TikTok is full of wannabe pastors saying that God didn't say this, and he did say that, and they're saying what God didn't say, and they're not saying what God did say. The people of the land practice extortion and commit robbery. They oppress the poor and needy and mistreat the foreigner, denying them justice. 
specifically of the wolves, it is that they shed blood, kill people to make unjust gain. When you are encountering a wolf, and this is important because in our modern context right now, if my pastor was mean to me, they're called a wolf, right? There's somebody who write a blog or a tweet, or and I don't mean to diminish if you've been hurt or something like that, but what I am saying is that I would say that's probably a hired hand. That's not a wolf. The wolf is different. The wolf doesn't give a crap about you. The wolf wants your money. The wolf is there to profit off of you, whether you live or whether you die. And it's a shepherd's job, the good shepherd's job, to lead us through that valley of that shadow of death, right? It's interesting that the same language, remember we talked about last week, was that a shepherd, you know, isn't like little Bo Peep, no offense to little Bo Peep, but shepherds were killers, man. They were killing bears, killing lions. The reason David killed Goliath was because he could. He was a warrior. The shepherds were meant to be loving to the sheep and protective of anything that wanted to harm them. So when Paul left Caesarea Maritime, this is the last time he's going to see the leaders of this church. And for those who were in Israel with us, we, saw, we literally stood in this place. Paul has been in prison. He knows this is the last time he's going to see any of this. And he says to them, keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock, of which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and they will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw disciples away after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning you day and night with tears One of the jobs that I have here, one of the jobs that our elders have here and the pastors here have is to protect against people that are lying and distorting the truth. And the good, I don't know if this is good news or not, Jim. Jim's been in ministry a lot longer than me, but the good news is, like when I say that a man can't have a baby and then I get an email, man, that was so courageous. The bar for courage is so low right now. <laughs> I'm crushing courage because I didn't know it's not that hard. Like, that's actually just science. But the bar for courage is so low. But the point is, is it still requires courage. And our job is to shepherd, to protect against people that are lying, to protect against people that want to distort the truth, and specifically to protect against people that want to use us as a whole for dishonest gain. A few years ago, government officials, politicians, software engineers, the laptop class said, you've got to shut this church down because it's the only way we're going to save the world. Some of the loudest voices, Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and Sergey, Larry Page, Larry Ellison, Guess who made the most money in those two years following that? Let's just look at a couple of them for fun, right? Just for edification and entertainment. Let's look at a couple of them. Jeff Bezos said through the Washington Post, I don't know if you know this or not, but Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. 
Okay? Now, there's a civic duty or whatever. I don't know what he thought. But Jeff Bezos, Washington Post, was one of the worst offenders. I canceled my Washington Post subscription because every headline was panic porn to scare everybody into everything. Uh, Stuff that we now know to be false, stuff that we now know that wasn't accurate, were headlines scaring everyone. He owns the Washington Post. And conveniently, he owns Amazon.com. Stay home, save lives, don't go to the store. You can order online. I mean, look, I don't want to, I don't want to like say, you know, whether he was lying or not, but I am saying that there was a little bit of a conflict of interest. Because when you look at this list, Jeff Bezos is number two. He made, and by the way, he's worth more than this. This is just what he made in those couple of years. $86 billion increased in his value in those two years. But if you include his ex-wife, when they got divorced in the middle of that, she's at $25 billion. So if they hadn't have gotten divorced before this combined, right, well over $100 million. Shutting down the world, shutting down your life, and made $100 billion on the backs of the people. Because guess what? If you were like me and you were able to order lunch and have it shipped to your home, who was bringing that to you? When you order stuff online and Amazon, you don't even have to do a hard search to look at how terrible the working conditions are in an Amazon warehouse. Have you ever watched an Amazon driver when they're in your neighborhood? Do you know how fast they're sprinting to your door and sprinting out? They're on a timer. Like half of them are wearing catheters, I think, they don't have time to go to the bathroom. Like they're like trying to figure out how to get their work done because they're on a timer to get their work done. The working class, the poor, the oppressed, they're working, not Bezos, he's fine. Testosterone or whatever the heck he's doing, like, you know, he's fine. Turn it into like some sort of like a Batman villain. Have you seen him lately? Like he's all jacked. Anyway. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, it's 11, I'm, I'm just screwing around. But what I'm saying is, if someone is getting wealth at the cost of everyone else, the thing that benefits them the most is the thing that benefits the rest of the world the least, isn't that a conflict of interest and isn't that a wolf? Let's do one more. I mean, if I can't, we had a blurry con, if I can't get fired from that, I can't get fired from this, right? So anyway, uh, <laughs> look, Bill Gates is on this list. And I, look, I understand there's conspiracy theories and you, know, you, you guys have fun with that. But look, here's what I'm saying. Here's what we know of all things. This guy is not an epidemiologist. He's not a virologist. Now, I was told that I can't have any comments about this because I'm not an epidemiologist and I'm not a virologist. This is a 100% true story. Noah Rothman's uh, podcast, uh, the, the UN. This is not like a, some deep into the internet conspiracy. This actually happened because back in 2020, they were actually really excited and proud of this. The very beginning in January 2020, Gates calls Angela Merkel, uh, Emmanuel Macron, Pedro Sanchez. So this is Prime Minister of Spain, Germany, France saying this is the big one that we've been worried about. This is it. We need to implement. China's doing this right. We're going to have to follow them. So because he's Bill Gates, he gets them on the phone. Then those three together with Bill Gates get the World Health Organization on the phone and the World Health Organization saying that we need you to lead the charge on this policy of shutting down the world, locking everything down so we can stop the big one. Bill Gates... 
Not a, not a virologist, not an epidemiologist. And of course, we know the consequences of that. We know what happened. They listened to him. And he made $25 billion because what's everybody doing sitting at home? Upgrading your software, getting your Microsoft upgrade. But that's not the worst of it. The worst of it is that he also went hardcore into the vaccine, mRNA technology, which to this day, China has still not implemented. So you tell me. But look what he's done here. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation purchases stocks in Pfizer and several other medical stocks while he's out promoting mRNAs. And then in what the article titled uh, Impeccably Timed Sale of his stock back in the fall, they've walked out with $220 million in profits, tax-free because it's a nonprofit. And then he starts saying, yeah, this vaccine is not what we thought it was. Uh, you're going to have to probably get more of them. It's not working like we thought. It doesn't stop transmission. It doesn't keep you from getting it. it uh, after $220 million, and then he, that's a wolf. Unjustly. And you're like, but Darren, is he shedding blood? Is he? Yes. In America, we sat in our homes and the government sent us checks. Developing nations, nobody was sending them checks. Nobody was coming for them. We have destroyed the economic opportunity of an entire generation. There was no homeschool, home learning if you lived in a hut with no electricity in Africa. There are five, six, seven-year-old children right now who can't read because they missed the first three years of their education because their governments were listening to Bill Gates. And you can Google this, and it's readily available information. One of the questions that you'll see, in fact, just Google the exact sentence, the mystery of COVID-19 in Africa. And what is the mystery? It didn't hurt them. The, the bodies didn't pile up in Haiti. The bodies didn't pile up in Africa. And you know why? And, and look, and I know in this room, I want to be very sensitive that some of us, lo I lost loved ones, okay? I'm not saying this virus wasn't real and didn't hurt people. But the average death of COVID is still 73. The average death in Africa, 61. The average death in Haiti, 51. Haiti got 99 problems and COVID ain't one. They were already dead by that point. The point was is that they, they took a policy for a Western world, crammed it on top of a, a, a world that didn't need it, and have caused harm that is irreparable. The World Bank, the World Health Organization, the World Food Organization, they're all saying it's because of the pandemic, but it's not. It's because of the policies of the pandemic started by wolves. And it is our job to get to protect ourselves and those around us from the wolves. 4.5 million children in Uganda disappeared from the school system. They're gone. Nobody knows where they are. 4.5 million children disappeared in the two years that their schools were shut down. They're in child slavery. They were married off at 10, 11, 12 years old. They're working in cobalt mines so that we can make freaking phones. The blood 
of dishonest gain. Those are the wolves. That's who we have to protect ourselves against. They're distorting the truth. Now we have a good shepherd. Like I'm a shepherd and it's my job to be out at the front of, of this church with, our, with the shepherds, but I'm not, you, look, don't follow me. I promise you that's gonna end poorly. Follow me as I follow Jesus. And if I stop following Jesus, you keep following Jesus because that's who I'm following. Uh, we'll do that for uh, Deeper. If you don't listen to the Deeper podcast, that's what I get to. <laughs> Look, this is like a Brazilian meat steakhouse. You know what I'm talking about where they're just shaving off meat? <laughs> if anybody got the meat sweats right now, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, uh, <laughs> the Deeper podcast is for like the big giant slab of meat that we didn't get to shave off on a Sunday morning. So there'll be, there'll be some of that this week. So what, what, what do we know right now, right? We got to... Safety in the herd. <laughs> we, get, we got to stay with the herd. When Jesus said he's a shepherd, you know what that means? That I'm a sheep. And you know what a sheep needs? A herd. <laughs> like, what does it say here? That he would scatter the flock. That he would strike the flock and scatter it. And what do we experience, right, in this last few years? Go home. Get apart. Stay away from each other. Scatter the flock. But I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. We are a herd creatures. You've, you and I, like we need each other to be together in the herd. There is safety in the herd that follows the shepherd. And the economist this week proved it. The economist, not exactly known as a bastion of conservative thought, reported on a study that in America... The faster that religious attendance falls in a state, the more deaths of despair rise. These include drug overdoses, alcohol-related illness, and suicides. The more church attendance goes down, the more deaths of despair go up. It is incontrovertible. And it's interesting, again, that'll go to the deeper, but I want to read this last thing, because what it's saying, some of you have said, well, I don't need church, I can be at home, I can be with my own, I can be my own thing. Because one of the things they're trying to figure out in this is, well, well maybe it's you know, any kind of a group at all, and maybe it's, maybe it's not about faith, maybe it's just about the social benefits of it, but, but, but listen, this is the last sentence of this. Strikingly, the study found that private prayer was not linked to lower deaths of despair. I can just stay home. I don't need, I don't need my brothers and sisters. Didn't help. This suggests that the risk reduction stems not from belief, but rather from the interpersonal connections that organized religion provides. Although, secular groups like charities and labor unions also produce such social capital, the JAMA authors say, but they say that faith, listen, faith-based networks provide, quote, unusually potent protection. Stay home and save lives. Stay home and take lives. We need each other. And I don't care if you go to church here. You know, we don't even do membership. You don't need paperwork to get in here. You don't need paperwork to get out of here. You just, got, you just need to be somewhere with other Jesus people. And we have made that decision as elders that we will never shut this place down again. Never. And if it ever gets, I'm, I'm going to be in Nepal next week, and I'm going to be meeting with 1,500 pastors, 
leaders of persecuted churches. And you know what they do? If men with armed guns stand outside their churches and won't let them in, they meet in the parking lot. If they chase them out of the parking lot, they'll meet in a barn. If they chase them out of the barn, they'll meet in the woods. But they will meet. And I don't know what our future is in this country, but we will meet. The parking lot, the barn, the pasture, basements, but we will meet. We need it. Jesus commanded it, and our families need it. Because we're a herd animals and we need each other. The shepherd is saying just as much about me as it is about him. And saying that we need each other. And anybody that's, I've had sheep. We used to have this little flock. I named them after lawnmowers. We had Toro, Honda, Kubota. Anyway. And we had this one. She was the dumbest one. But they're all kind of dumb. It's like, you know, when, when it's sheep, it's just levels of dumb. But she was especially dumb, and she would like lose the, the herd, and they're literally like right over here. But she's looking over here, <laughs> and she would be like, wah, wah, like just screaming for help. I'm like, hey, over there, over there. And then she'd run back over to him, and, and in her was a picture of why sheep, why you and I need each other. Because when we're alone too long, when we isolate too much from the kingdom of God, we're just one other dumb sheep crying out. Oh, well, you know what? I'll talk about Richard Rohr on the podcast too. How about that? (laughs) There's safety in the herd, but only if we're with the shepherd. And Richard Rohr is not a shepherd, by the way. He's a heretic. And I'll talk about that in the deeper podcast. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Jesus, up against the Pharisees of that day who said, we have control of the scroll. Only we get to tell you what's in here. Later, it would be the quote, holy Catholic church that said, no, you can't be trusted to, to, to read what's in this scroll. You can't be like the Bereans who read Acts 17. You go back home and see if these things be so. You couldn't do that because we couldn't trust you with this, especially if you were a female. You can't be trusted to read the scroll. They controlled it. Our modern context is a scroll that is a, an internet being controlled by technologists that say, this is your scroll. We can't be trusted to read that. We, we can, you, we can only, you can only be trusted with information that we know to be true, so we're going to cut out everything that isn't true just because you can't be trusted. They still, it's still a battle for the scroll. Who's going to control the scroll? And the fact is, it's a battle for politicians. They want to control the scroll. And that's true of Joe Biden, and it's true of Donald Trump. It's true of everybody that's jockeying for a presidential thing, for congressional things. It's true of, and we all know the the statistics right now in in Congress of uh, how rich you get when you leave because you control the information, you control the scroll. And and while that sounds like nihilistic, it is. (laughs) I mean, what's going on in Ukraine right now? That, look, if you, if, if, you, if you don't understand how dangerous that is, well, God bless you, first of all, because I'd love to have that. 
level of naivete, but it's extremely dangerous what's happening there. What's happening in Iran is extremely dangerous. We just got back from Israel. What's happening there is extremely dangerous. Who is going to take control of this? Who can save the world? I was listening to a podcast this week, and you know what their answer is? We got to get off the planet. No, I'm, I'm dead serious. This, a hundred million people listen to this podcast and their answer is, our only hope is to get off of this planet, to interstellar space travel. That's, I mean, I, Brett Weinstein on the Joe Rogan, it, you have to, if, you're, if, you, if you don't like the F word, don't listen to it. But, but, but I'm telling you, that's what the, this Brett Weinstein, who is a Jewish man, is saying, that's our only hope is to get off of this planet. The smartest minds on the planet look at this world and say, this is so bad. The nihil- the, and if you're honest, nihilism is your only option unless there's somebody who can take control of the scroll that is worthy. And Revelation 5 tells us who it is. <laughs> he said that I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. The Old Testament shows us that this is a picture of a, of like a, a real estate contract of a, who is going to take control of the earth written on both sides. There's a reason why the language is very specific like this. Who is going to do this? Who, who is worthy? Who, who is capable? And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? Who is going to save the world? But no one in heaven and on earth or under the earth could open the scroll, or even look inside it. And I wept and wept, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look inside. The more you look at the news, the reason it makes you so much more sad is because who can save the world? If you're honest, nobody. And if that doesn't make you sad, you're not understanding. And if you are sad and it does make you weep and it does make you scared, here's the good news. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed and he is able to open the seven seals. Praise God. It's him. He's coming back and will open the seals and take control. He's coming back. He's going to open up a can of whoop God and he's going to take care of the whole thing. And until that moment, our job isn't to dig a hole out in the back and bury weapons. I'm not saying that for those of you that store food or whatever, you, I mean, we got a homesteaders class coming up next week. I mean, what do you, what do you want us to do, right? Because like uh, I don't know the future, but I know this. In Luke 10, when he sent them out amongst the wolves, do you you hear that? He sent them out amongst the wolves. He didn't tell them to go back and hide from the wolves. Go out amongst the wolves. Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. It speaks of knowing Satan's plan. Do not be ignorant of Satan's devices, right? But also harmless as doves, meaning the dove, picture the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. We, brothers and sisters, we can't shrink back. We can't shrink back because there's only one person who is worthy, who is capable of opening the scrolls, and it ain't you, it ain't me, it's Jesus, and the world needs to know that. 
We're running out of time. Benny was just telling me, he has invitations from how many countries? 15 countries right now, in addition to the dozens I mean, he's, that, that are literally training disciples. They're, they're, you know, I'm asking Benny, like, why aren't you slowing down? He's like, man, there's no time. The world needs to know. This world needs to know. Kirk Cameron last week at World Outreach Church spoke, and he said, you know, before we go all 1776, we need to go Psalm 176, which speaks of us of repenting, repenting of our own selfishness, repenting of our own attachment to comfort. Brothers and sisters, we live in Babylon. The enemy wants to seduce us with our comfort. But Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, they were all in Babylon. They all wept by the river. Right, so on the one hand, you can't sit over here weeping all day long. At some point, they had to get up, blow the dust off their feet, go back into town and work in, work in town and affect the culture that they were in. And it might cost them their life and it might cost you your career. But we need to not shrink back. We've got to keep moving forward in every corner of the world, whether it's Benny overseas, whether it's Tommy working in the music industry. I could go around this entire room. We need people in the technology spaces. We, we desire you to be in school boards and in a, a local government. And we want brothers and sisters like that. We don't shrink back. Daniel didn't shrink back. It almost cost him his life. But he didn't shrink back because he went forward in the same way that Jesus is telling us. And I love this. And stand to your feet. We're going to end with this. Because they came back, it says later in Luke 10, full of great joy because even the demons were subject to us. I'm sending you out, right? Jesus, I'm sending you out right now into this world as lambs amongst wolves. But you're going to come back full of great joy because you're going to see that even the demons are subject to the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Our prayer warriors are going to be back at the front. And look, I know you've got to rush, some of you, but here's a little pro tip. If you come for prayer, the parking lot's cleared by the time you go, so you don't have to worry about the stress of that. Anyway. <laughs> Father, Bless my brothers and sisters as they go. Sent out as lambs amongst the wolves, but with a good shepherd, a shepherd that is going in front of us, not sending us out to get killed, but going out in front of us to protect us along the way. Lord, it is an honor and it is a privilege to get to be men and women of courage in a world built on cowardice. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Go forth.